It's the Messiah Community Radio Talk Show. This is Michael James Lauren, your host, very special guest, Dr. Alicia Britt Choley. She has a famous book here called The Sacred Slow, A Holy Departure from Fast Faith. She's on TBN and she joins us now. Welcome to the program. Thank you so much for the opportunity, Michael. Our sponsors with over 90 years experience in developing audio electronics. Bayer Dynamics stands for innovative audio products with the highest sound quality and pioneering technology. Two business divisions, consumer and installation, provide tailored solutions for professional and private users. All products are developed in Germany and primarily manufactured by hand. From headphones to microphones and conference and interpretation systems. For more information, please visit north-america.com. BearDynamic.com and by Vocal Booth to Go carries a complete line of products and accessories specifically designed for voiceover actors, audio professionals, podcasters, producers, and studio owners to help them get professional results for their clients. It's your go-to place for sound treatment, soundproofing, portable, and mobile vocal booths. Visit VocalBoothToGo.com for more information. And by Hamilton Stands, founded in 1883 in Hamilton, Ohio, Hamilton Stands is the oldest music and instrument stand maker in the world. They offer a broad range of sheet music stands, band and orchestra instrument stands, and combo stands, including mic stands, guitar and keyboard stands, and accessories. In fact, the broadcast you're listening to is made using a Hamilton stage rocker mic stand. Visit HamiltonStands.com. And Oralex Acoustics has one mission, to make you sound your best. Thousands of satisfied Oralex customers have experienced improved acoustics, along with free expert advice, total sound control products from Oralex. Enjoy widespread use among prominent artists, producers, engineers, and corporations worldwide. Remember, it's not your gear, it's the room. Visit Oralex.com for more information. And great audio starts with great gear. And Zoom's 30-year reputation promises quality and affordability. Visit zoom-na.com today for recorders, audio interfaces, effects pedals, and more. We're Zoom, and we're for creators. You are called a, a velvet sword. Is what we're <laughs> talking about. They say that you have the sweetest voice, the nicest. I mean, if you go on YouTube and you, you listen to videos, and, and you know, but your message is very cutting and poignant and we need that today and uh, why do you suppose that is well all i know is that i've always loved the word i was an atheist and when jesus interrupted my atheistic existence all i wanted was to hold a bible it became much more than a book to me it was a voice and i just absolutely love studying the word and these messages sort of simmer for a long time sometimes even for decades michael and so i hope that by the time i share them they're seasoned with enough grace that it's more like a, a gentle surgery than an abrupt one the big thing about your book now okay is that we're in a hurry i mean if you look at the messages that we have today on television uh, internet everyone is in a hurry they have uh, we we say all these apps are are helping us i'm not so sure because we become a slave to re reacting and responding to a remote control even and we don't really spend time with with God. Now this may sound like it's like oh you know we can work it out but there's more spiritual implications aren't there Yes, there are. I think that whenever we look around and we see how God has designed things to grow, most things grow on the slow, don't they? Most things that last are slow growing, but we become a society that's confused faster for better. And the problem is that faster doesn't make better relationships with people 
or with God. So this isn't an invitation to change your Myers-Briggs or to for Martha's to become Mary's. It really is an invitation for all of us to realize that in each and every slow moment, there is an invitation echoing from eternity to live with God, to think with God, to be with Him, and beginning to discipline our mind and our heart our lives, to live it with him and not just for him is the kind of slow grow that I'm talking about in the book. And Jesus, he would take himself away, wouldn't he, from all the, uh, over and over in scripture, he'd find a place to pray, he'd wake up early in the morning, he wasn't a part of the rat race. Yes, and he also seems to always have this conversation going with the Father. There's times when he says, you know, you already know, (laughs) but I'm going to say this out loud. You almost feel like you're listening in on something continuous, and I think that Jesus modeled for us what perhaps we even see in in Enoch walking with God. There's this with-ship. Faith is a duet, but we tend to live it like a solo, don't we? We have a tendency to sing the duet in the morning, check it off our list, and then think of the rest of our lives or our, the day as a solo that God is listening in on. But really, each and every moment is an invitation to harmonize with his melody. And in order to do that, we have to develop an attentive mind, an attentive heart, an attentive ear. And you mentioned that. You say that there's a lot of self-talk that goes on during the day. And then just in prayer time, okay, we'll talk to God. And then maybe on Sunday. But uh, this has to be a, this is serious business for a Christian that we have to keep the lines of communication open all the time. Yes. And it's so wonderfully practical for me. It's wonderful that Jesus and I are talking with you right now. And that um, Jesus and I and my husband are on our way to pick up our daughter at ballet camp. Trinity. (laughs) Yes. It's uh, to think of him always with us changes a whole lot of things. Um, If Jesus and I are always together, which we acknowledge that theologically, we say, yes, God is omnipresent. Um, However, if we really think with him, there's some things that we can't really continue to say. It edits us when we're behind that frustrating driver on the highway. It it edits us when we want to berate ourselves. Uh, It edits us with grace, a heavenly grace, and boy, our whole world could use a whole lot more of that. Tell us a little bit about your background, because you're busy mentoring pastors, you have your conferences, you're on TBN, you have a television show. And uh, I mean, what is it about your message that is is catching on to people? Oh, I really don't know. And to be honest, I can I say I don't think about it that much. I have a I have a desire to love well, starting starting with my savior. And I think in the end, love will be the tell. And uh, my children will be the ones who get to start, start off that discussion because uh, they're the ones who are closest to me. So honestly, I feel like I, I, certainly there's more things I would like to write and more things I would like to offer. But I think anything I would have to offer really is already in my children and that one day they'll offer it if I can't. And so uh, I think that for me, having been an atheist, a sincere one, uh, somebody who truly truly was just making a vote for logic and for realism, and who was fine with everybody else's illusions as long as they weren't uh, superimposed upon me. (laughs) Right. (laughs) uh, But having a God who loves enough 
to pursues the, pursue those who deny him, who pursues those who intentionally attempted to confuse people of faith. When a God like that interrupts your life, it has to change everything. And it did. Mm. It yes. did. His love, his love is so infinite. His creativity is just beyond measure. He has been the adventure I didn't think existed. Now, just a brief version of it, if you will. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's not unfair, but I mean, <laughs> your testimony going from, there's a lot of people listening to some are atheists and they think, sure. well, I never worship the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, how'd that happen? Well, number one, let me say that I've never met an atheist I didn't like. I absolutely love interacting um, with those who consider themselves atheists because there's reasons why they've made the choices they've made. Just like most people on the planet, there's a reason. I'll, in short, say there was a combination of a few different things. One is an unexpected friendship with two young women who had a deep relationship with Jesus, but had never been questioned. Their faith had never, ever been questioned. They had no answers at all. In fact, the smartest thing they ever said to me was, I don't know. And Mm -hmm. I don't know is a really smart answer when it's true. It's actually confidence inducing. But what they gave me was something more powerful than an answer. And whenever I wrap words around it, Michael, I call it the present of presence. They gave me what God gave them. They got close enough long enough that because God is, because he's not just poetry, because he's far more than philosophy, because he is presence, his reality echoed through their humanity and something deep within me began to awaken. But I couldn't, I couldn't see it and they certainly couldn't perceive it. Uh, as far as I was concerned, my interaction with whether it was Christian friends or a Hindu professor that just was more, uh, more reason for me to believe that all religions were just an illusion for people who preferred fairy tales over unanswered questions. But then the second thing was an unexpected experience. And I don't know how much time we have. Well, we have time. uh, I I want to hear you. Okay. Okay. Well, uh, right as I was an incoming freshman in college preparing to become a lawyer, and I had a a friend whose mother invited me to go to church repeatedly. I mean, continuously. She was too nice to yell at And I just tried to ignore her. And it finally occurred to me, she's never going to give up for the rest of my life. She's going to call me every Saturday night and ask me if I would please (laughs) find any church somewhere to go to. And so I said, I'll go once if you stop asking forever. And she said, deal. And she walked me into what I think would probably be one of the last places you would expect to bring an atheist that perhaps leans a little academic and leans a little artistic. There was nothing of artistic excellence in this place. Uh, (laughs) It was small. It was uh, threadbare. Even the organ was out of tune and maybe a couple dozen souls that were very brokenhearted. I found out that their church was actually closing, which is something I didn't know at the time. Mm. And so I sat in the back, Michael, and I wasn't drunk, I wasn't high, I wasn't in the pit of despair, life was good, I had lots of hope for the future, hadn't woken up with some dream inviting me to rethink my life. Uh, I wasn't there to find a God because I didn't think one existed, I was there to get rid of a Christian and this was the shortest route. And these dear souls stood up on cue to sing, which I guess was what they did every Sunday. And as they began to offer their voices to worship, Michael, I had an extraordinary encounter. That's, that, there's no other word. It, it lasted an hour and a half, wow. maybe even two hours. Mm-hmm. And the only thing I've ever been able to compare it to 
was it was though there was this clear river above me all along and I didn't know it and it broke open over me. I, on every layer that I could call existence, um, in my senses, in my mind, in my emotions, I felt a presence washing over me, mm. absolutely washing over me. And uh, <laughs> it was just remarkable, forceful, yet so pure. I, it almost seemed as though things were being broken off of, of my soul. <laughs> and I would have never considered myself or described myself as dead. But at the end of that experience, I knew I had something new. Mm. And in the middle of that, even though on an intellectual basis, I, you know, to the best of my ability, studied different world religions and would have been intellectually open to any name or any faith. Uh, I, the one name that sounded was the name of Jesus. Yeah. And my thought, my only thought was, Jesus, I, number one, I didn't think you existed, you know, uh, 10 minutes ago. And number two, I was wrong. And number three, I don't know what question you're asking me. But if you want me, my answer is yes. Mm. And uh, how amazing, you know, for a God like that to catch up with you and he doesn't cause you to cower in the corner in shame. He doesn't crush you with anger. He just showers you with a love uh, that's so pure. It's healing. Mm. So pure. It was healing, Michael. And, uh, you know, over 30 years ago now, but uh, that experience that experience was extraordinary. And then later on, it's almost as though that gave me wings. And then uh, mentors came along and taught me to fall, just fall in love with the word. They taught me to do word studies and book studies and thematic studies and character study and exhaustive study. So the word gave me roots. That beginning gave me wings. And it's been a beautiful combination for me. Hey, man, that's the most beautiful testimony I've ever heard. Oh, and uh, I gracious. mean, he is gracious. And it's amazing with testimonies, though. It's like when you tell it, it's always like the, it seems like it's always the first time, like it never gets mm-hmm. old. And, no. and it's just incredible how he makes himself known, the Lord. So your book, The Sacred Slow, A Holy Departure from Fast Faith. I mean, yes. what, were you kind of in a, in a, well, I mean, with conferences and now, you know, sought after Bible teacher and, and uh, the whole gamut. Did you find yourself kind of getting in a situation where you needed to slow down? Oh, that's a great question, Michael. I think that for me, slowing down physically has not been the challenge. Slowing down mentally has. I think anybody who knew me and who knows me would say, Alicia probably leans introvert. Alicia is quite happy staring out the window at a beautiful tree in a sunset with a journal. But the slowing down mentally is something that my husband taught me. I had wonderful, wonderful mentors who taught me how to study. My husband, my amazing, my amazing man, he really taught me about the power of simply being. And there's a bit of a funny and sort of sad story (laughs) that illustrates it. But when we were first married, he would ask me something like, hey, babe, why don't we just, let's go sit by the fireplace. And my thought would be, well, and do what? He's like, let's just sort of be together. And well, well, can I bring a book? Because for me, growing was an issue of knowledge, information, always researching. My mind was always in motion. So slowing down and following Jesus with my feet was far easier for me than slowing down and following Jesus in my thoughts. So in that sense, yes, uh, the sacred slow has been very pertinent to my own journey. And it's the overflow. It's the overflow of 30 years of mentoring learners and leaders and trying to discern what has helped them the most and then bringing that 
if somebody were to gift me or my husband with a year of their lives, because my husband mentors men in leadership as well, this is the content we would bring to them and hope that it would be something that would help them develop even deeper roots in a sustainable nearness with God. What do you think the biggest challenge is for people who they hear that and they say, well, I would love to slow my life down, but I'm trying to keep up and it's not easy. What's the biggest misconception if you try to live your life and, you know, kind of get into, if you will, the sacred slow, uh, if you will, spend more time with the Lord. Uh, Do people feel they're giving up too much? Well, I think that there may be several different answers for people in that. Perhaps some feel that they're giving up too much. I think that some, and perhaps even more, would feel like they'd have to face too much if they slowed down. Hmm. I think that busyness has become a coping mechanism. We're trying to outrun our thoughts, sometimes trying to outrun our demons. I think that we're hoping that somehow we can substitute uh, even fruitfulness for interior stillness and um, being fiercely honest with ourself and with our God. I mean, let me just ask you, though, what, what is the biggest, what, what do you feel, you know, you want to cover the most? I mean, right at this very moment. Yeah, you know, I am happy to go wherever you would like okay, to. Okay. <laughs> um, I think, think some of the more powerful concepts for me in the book um, is the concept of uh, margin, Mm -hmm. Um, Also, the concept of how we very rarely work on our God portrait. Okay. We somehow, you know, we started and we went to that class. And I think that sometimes the church feels like the height of maturity is service. But biblically, I think the height of maturity is love. Yes, that's helpful. (laughs) Yeah. I was going to say, we need love. We definitely (laughs) need love. Alicia, Dr. Alicia, please. (laughs) Yes, yes. Well, I, you know, over the years as I've I've watched all of us sincerely desiring that our lives are going to make a difference, both individually and corporately, I think that sometimes we have a tendency to go in sort of a predictable pattern. Somebody gives their life to Jesus. We want to give them some of the basics, which is incredibly valuable. We want to put some tools in their hand. We want them to define their giftings and their strengths. And then we want to position them in a place of service. And once they're there, we're thinking, okay, safe. You know, (laughs) we've got the home run. And (laughs) it's easy for us to slip over from that to begin assuming that service is the height of maturity in faith. Uh, but scripture's pretty clear that we can do a whole bunch of things, but if they're done without love, they wind up in the end being meaningless. And so it would seem to me, even from Jesus's response, you know, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, your strength, and the second commandment that's uh, the second most important one is like it, love your neighbor as yourself, that really love is the height of maturity. And, and that love has multifacets. It's love for God, yes. It's love for others, yes. But it's also uh, recognizing and beginning to sink deeply into God's love for us, which I think historically has been called belovedness. Yeah, and the world, and, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> no, and I think we have a tendency, I'm not going to you know, say this, I hope this isn't an overgeneralization, but I do think we have a tendency to just focus on growing in love for God But sometimes, simultaneously, we're growing in hatred toward ourselves, Michael. Mm. We're um, self-punishing with shame. We are uh, thinking that, you know, we just hope we make it in or that we 
you know, there's just too much on us that God could really be pleased with, but we're glad he tolerates us. And I think also then there's another strain that doesn't really want to talk about belovedness because they've confused it with the spiritualization of narcissism. That's really not what we're talking about here. When we talk about belovedness, what I mean is that we are growing in our agreement with God about what he says about us. He says that he loves us, which means we are loved. He says he forgives us, which means when we turn to him in repentance, we are forgiven. And belovedness grows as we agree with God about who he says we are and what he says he's done for us more than we are just agreeing with our own emotions about how we feel about that. Yeah, God says he loves us. We don't, I don't know if we really <laughs> have taken yeah. him up on that. Just how much? Yeah. I mean, you're in the scriptures, you know, an everlasting love and his yes. mercy reaches and, uh, you know, it, it endures forever. And, uh, you know, I think, I think one of the reasons your, your book is doing so well, and also you as a teacher have connected with so many people, uh, I think the danger of, of Christians becoming lukewarm Christians and the mm-hmm. fact that, you know, you're waking them up and saying that, uh, you know, take your eyes off the world or the, the pace and the whole thing. And it's, uh, it, it can even be uh, satanically driven as far as the, uh, you know, the, the pace that's being set, if you will, you know, and you have to just, uh, we don't, I'm sure there are many people who are disappointed where they were on fire for the Lord and different kinds of ministry. And now they became lukewarm. Christian, uh, lukewarm. Well, I think that there's a difference between volunteering because there's a need and volunteering because there's a God. And when we see service as the height of maturity, we keep volunteering because there's a need. And when there's more need, because need never says enough, does it? And there's more need and we're exhausted, but we're going to show our love by just kind of going the extra one, two, three, four hundred, one thousand miles. And we wind up having these beautiful souls that are just so exhausted. And if they got really, really honest, they might even say they feel a bit used, that they feel a bit taken advantage of. And one of the themes that you'll see throughout the book is that God never wanted to use us. He's always wanted to love us. And service that flows out of knowing that he loves us is a very different kind of service. It's a, a sweeter service that I, I think eternally we're going to see is far more fruitful. Now, are there any areas that you... <laughs> Are there any areas that you need work on? Or, or I mean, you seem you have, you have a lot of answers here. I don't want to, you know, but I mean, are there any areas that you're thinking, well, you know, I got the slow part down where we're slowing things down and, and spending time with the Lord. And this is a duet that you're talking about. And we, you know, but uh, any areas that you think, well, you know, I, I need, I want to spend more time doing what? Yes. Oh, I think that for me, and I I don't know what you would say for yourself, Michael, but for me, all of these different principles that I'm talking about, they get a new workout in every new season. Yes. Every new season, I have to choose to apply them again in a slightly varied context, sometimes a very different context. And I think that's what keeps our muscles of faith growing, at least personally. I I feel like even you know, my children are in different areas of their lives. My, my eldest is 21 and he's going to college and he's on the autistic spectrum. My youngest was meth exposed in utero. Again, they're all ours through the miracle of adoption mm. and their continued growth curves always bring me with them. They keeps me grounded and keeps me remembering that uh, in the end, 
knowledge is never a substitute for love. And sometimes love, how do you want to say, sometimes love walks best in the dark. Mm. I, there's a place in the book, I think it's in this book, maybe it was in 40 Days of Decrease. <laughs> yeah, but, a lot of books, by the way, people should get them all. <laughs> oh, just about, <laughs> not that many, just a few, but um, you know, that, that when, we, when we're willing to dance in the dark, that means that we value the presence of our partner over knowing the steps. And I, I feel like a lot of times I keep going, you know, I dance in the dark in the sense that, oh God, I didn't expect to be here. I didn't, didn't plan on this. This wouldn't have been on my list. But I trust your presence more than I do my perfection. I, mm. I trust that you're going to keep guiding me and you're okay if I step on your toes. <laughs> and <laughs> because being with you is more important than doing it well or doing it right or doing it perfect. And I, I think that's the one, you know, every every new trial that keeps coming, that seems to be the outflow. That uh, being with you is more important than understanding how I could have even done this better or, or, or understanding why I didn't do it well. Being with you, there's the treasure that's going to take me home. How much do you spend in, in a spiritual, how can I say, not only as an intercessor, but kind of like fighting? You know, they, they, mm-hmm. you have also brought that to our attention that, you know, this is a spiritual battle. And uh, maybe perhaps we get so used to the, you know, we do feel good at church. It feels nice and so forth. But uh, maybe we have a guard down. I don't know. But how, how often are you fighting, if you will, and we're letting the Lord, you know, fight your battles. But how much is it a spiritual battle and, uh, and what kind of, um, what part do you play in that? Yes. Well, I think that may be one that only God could answer, but I'll take my shot at it. (laughs) For me, I think in terms, I I think less in terms of battle and more in terms of assignment. Because my thought is probably the whole battle is far more complex than I could comprehend. So as I wake up in the morning, and as Jesus and I are brushing my teeth, and as we're checking on the kids, and as I go up to my favorite chair with my favorite journal and my pen, and we stare at the willow tree together, I, I am asking, what is my assignment today? And sometimes that's really clear, and sometimes it's not. And sometimes I have a, a sense of something very specific, and often I just sense, just love me, simply love me. And my personal belief is that love for God and accepting our belovedness in God is one of the most powerful spiritual weapons I can carry into any battle. Mm, I like that. 52 experiences in unhurried honesty with God. How'd you come up with that number? Yes. Well, originally this content that's in, in this book, Between These Pages, is what I use personally over 52 weeks of a mentoring experience. We call it the seventh year, and I walk with, as I mentioned, women in leadership, both in the marketplace and in the church. My husband walks with men in leadership in the, husband, I mean, in the, in the marketplace and in the church. And each of these chapters are actually the backbone of that experience, a brief reading, a thought for reflection, or the exercises where we invite them to really roll up their sleeves and do some spiritual work. And I wanted to use the experience word too, because that's what this is. This is a journey. Um, we have, I have formatted it in a 12-week experience, but I strongly encourage anyone listening, please don't give this book less than 12 weeks. It, mm-hmm. You can read through it. No problem. 
but to actually live out the exercises, which is the heartbeat of the entire book, please give yourself at least 12 weeks. Yeah, we love flipping through the books, don't we? But uh, you have to do the work and uh, spend time you know, that way. Tell us about briefly your, your show on uh, the program that you have on TBN. Yes. Well, that was something I never even dreamed of dreaming, Michael. I, I'll be honest, I don't even watch TV except for the news in tornado season. You know, that's, <laughs> I'm just not much of well, we're a big movie family, but not much of a TV family. And yeah. a, a, a pastor in Florida fell in love with a book I wrote called Anonymous and sent that book to his dear friends, Matt and Lori of TBN and they loved the book and through a mutual friend asked if I'd come in for an interview. So generous and kind and just beautifully grounded souls. I felt right at home with them. And that evening we went to dinner and they said, well, what would you think about doing a series? And it had never even occurred to me. So my husband and I prayed and we consulted with some of our key mentors and they said, let's take another step. And the next thing I know, this beautiful Oh, just it's such a blend of uh, excellence in art. A crew was at our door talking about different ideas. And within a few months, they uh, sent a TV crew. It's, again, just so much wow. fun to be That's with fun. people who love doing what they do. And they, I wrote you know, each episode and edited each episode as far as the content. And all the beauty is theirs. It, it's at our home. And... Uh, they just did everything from, you know, the sunsets to the piecing together and the editing and what they, what they offered. I felt was very, people who know me well felt it was very true to just me in my office mentoring someone. And so that was, that was another gift too, to feel like I, I felt at home when I saw it. Absolutely. I mean, I'm sure that, I mean, the, with the kind of audience you're getting probably letters and uh, a lot of comfort knowing that, uh, that the Lord is, is using you that way as he has uh, for 30 years, but I'm sure it's rewarding to get feedback. People have been very generous. And, and now that they're showing the, the sacred soul is showing, I think in the UK right now and in Africa, just a whole new gorgeous set of people are reaching out, but it's, I, it's not hundreds, you know, there's a, I think people probably assume that it won't actually reach somebody, but we just we're just living in the country out in Missouri, and so um, the sweet things people email, uh, I read them and they're very encouraging to know that to know that God is uh, He wastes nothing, Michael. He just wastes nothing. And I, as I said, we never dreamed of being able to continue to invest so intensely in our children at home. And then God would make a way for teachings that have been simmering mm-hmm. for decades to reach people I would never have the opportunity That's of right. meeting. It's just been, uh, working with TBN has been an unexpected gift in an unexpected season. Amen. Is it just me? Or does that sound like a good name for a movie? No, <laughs> I mean, I, a holy departure from fast faith. I, I'm in. <laughs> that does sound good. One of the early investors in that. I'd I like to. <laughs> but uh, an award winning writer, Dr. Alicia Britt Scholey's messages address both head and heart and are often described as grace filled surgeries. Alicia is a speaker, author, and leadership mentor who enjoys thunderstorms. Wow, jalapenos and honest questions. All the <laughs> And if you want to find them, I, the thunderstorms, I got it because you're talking about uh, tornadoes. But more. <laughs> Alicia's other books or learn more about her ministry, visit 
aliciabrittcholey.com. And so that's Alicia Britt, B-R-I-T-T-C-H-O-L-E.com. We could spend more time with you, I'm sure. We'd like to have you on again. I'm sure you're going to write a few more uh, wonderful books. It just keeps coming out of you. Oh, I would love for the opportunity both to write and both to be with you and your listeners again. Thank you, Michael, so much. The Sacred Slow. Go get it. Thanks for being on the program. Thank you. Our sponsors with over 90 years experience in developing audio electronics. Bayer Dynamics stands for innovative audio products with the highest sound quality and pioneering technology. Two business divisions, consumer and installation, provide tailored solutions for professional and private users. All products are developed in Germany and primarily manufactured by hand. From headphones to microphones and conference and interpretation systems. For more information, please visit north-america.bearedynamic.com. And by Vocal Booth To Go carries a complete line of products and accessories specifically designed for voiceover actors, audio professionals, podcasters, producers, and studio owners to help them get professional results for their clients. It's your go-to place for sound treatment, soundproofing, portable, and mobile vocal booths. Visit VocalBoothToGo.com for more information. And by Hamilton Stands, founded in 1883 in Hamilton, Ohio, Hamilton Stands is the oldest music and instrument stand maker in the world. They offer a broad range of sheet music stands, band and orchestra instrument stands, and combo stands, including mic stands, guitar and keyboard stands, and accessories. In fact, the broadcast you're listening to is made using a Hamilton stage rocker mic stand. Visit HamiltonStands.com. And Oralex Acoustics has one mission to make you sound your best. Thousands of satisfied Oralex customers have experienced improved acoustics along with free expert advice, total sound control products from Oralex. Enjoy widespread use among prominent artists, producers, engineers, and corporations worldwide. Remember, it's not your gear, it's the room. Visit Oralex.com for more information. And great audio starts with great gear. And Zoom's 30-year reputation promises quality and affordability. Visit zoom-na.com today for recorders, audio interfaces, effects pedals, and more. We're Zoom, and we're for creators. 